Hello everyone and welcome to Side Dish. This is an IFT podcast that dishes up perspectives from multiple disciplines relating to the science of food and developing your career in this rapidly changing professional ecosystem. I'm your host, Bruce Perkin. In this episode, we'll be talking about the intersection of three topics that have all captured a huge amount of attention. Ancient grains, upcycled foods, and protein sources for plant-based foods. Yes, that's a lot of ground to cover. So our focus for today will be how barley, together with upcycling, can help redefine this food sector's approach to nutrition and sustainability. I'm very excited today to be able to chat with not just one, but three amazing guests. First is Rosa Sanchez, who's the Global Senior Director for R&D for Evergreen. Rosa has over 15 years experience in the food industry and during that time has focused her work on applications and R&D. She previously worked as Senior Group Manager leading beverage applications for IFF. Next is Joy Nemison, who's the Events Manager at the Upcycled Food Association. Joy is a sustainability professional. She began her working career in sustainability at an alternative recycling company, TerraCycle where she helped individuals, corporations, and large-scale events reach zero waste using TerraCycle recycling solutions. And we also have Jackie Hochreiter, who is the Global Director of Sustainability and Marketing for Evergreen. Prior to Evergreen, Jackie was with the world's largest brewer, AB InBev, and since then has held different positions within sales, sales strategy, new business development, corporate communications, and procurement sustainability before being appointed to Sustainability and Marketing Director for Evergreen, which, by the way, is an AB InBev company. Rosa, Joy, and Jackie, welcome to SciDish. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Happy to be here. So I'd like to start today by asking each of you to tell us a bit about the path you've taken to the roles you have today, and perhaps you can also help us appreciate why you're so excited about the work you're doing right now. Rosa, let's start with you. So first, thank you again for having me in this podcast. As you know, I'm a food scientist by training. And the way I started my path in this career was I wanted to create food that was nutritious and help to minimize hunger in the world. I grew up in Mexico where there's a lot of poverty, right? And many people don't have access to foods. So I really wanted to have an impact. and I have worked my entire career in R&D, many different applications. And today in my career, I'm so excited to be part of Evergreen because it finally is allowing me to do that, right? We're using an upcycle product to help create more nutritious and better products in the marketplace. Oh, that's excellent. So not only are you uh, solving world hunger, but you're also chasing down the uh, the climate side with, with upcycling. So that's, that's an awesome, awesome thought process. So Jackie, how about you? What's your path been like? Yeah, Bruce, so um, thanks again for, for having us here today. So my, let's say the beginning of my career was mostly spent within AB InBev. Um, spent about two thirds of my, my time there in public health and sustainability, leading the programming there for, for Europe. And what I loved about that opportunity, you know, in sustainability was that you're in a, a massive global uh, company where you do have you know, a, a real footprint, real markets impact from agriculture all the way to sales. But the purpose of ABM Bev is to sell beer, 
to sell fantastic and, and, and great beer. Whereas the purpose of Evergreen is to sell an upcycled ingredient, uh, which was super exciting for me as a sustainability professional, because it meant that every time that I went to a sales meeting, I was effectively doing sustainability. Every time that I uh, support the team on, on marketing executions, we, we do marketing, you know, we market sustainability. Um, and of course, leading the sustainability agenda at Evergreen is, is very special because you can really grow um, the area of sustainability through a different business model that is avoiding food waste and making sure that uh, that, that comes through in the work that you do every day. Mm, I, I like the real world example, and uh, I have to say I'm a I am a big fan of great beer. So there's there's, there's nothing bad about your nothing career really as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so what about you, Joy? What's your path been like? Yeah, I've uh, hopped around a little bit. So as you heard, um, I started my career in solid waste, so in recycling. Um, and it was actually while I was at TerraCycle that I discovered my passion for sustainable food through the avenue of edible insects. So I fell in love with entomophagy, and it really forced me to look outside of our typical food system and see all the innovation that's happening right now in food. So, you know, once falling in love with bugs and actually, you know, finding that I could cook them and help show people, you know, a world outside of potato chip bag, right? Um, I realized that sustainable food was where I really wanted to be. So after working in solid waste, I'm now working in food waste, right, at, at the Upcycled Food Association and really helping this industry grow by working with such incredible entrepreneurs and, and with products that are really making a difference. Wow, I think we we might have a side conversation <laughs> going on here. So you must be the first person I've ever come across that says she actually loves eating bugs. So that's something we might need to talk about again at some point. Well, you can come over for dinner anytime. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of hesitancy. I think we might need to uh, uh, get Jackie to bring uh, bring some beverages along <laughs> if that's going to happen. <laughs> So, Joy, let's stay with you for a minute. Can you help us with the term upcycling? It's, it's somewhat of a newer term that, you know, we're now hearing a lot more about. And so I'd like to understand what upcycled food actually means and why should the food industry or even consumers, for that matter, be excited about it? Yeah. So as you can imagine, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, so let's start broad and then we'll, we'll get specific. So upcycled food uses overlooked ingredients that would typically be discarded and are now being reimagined in new ways. So maybe you've experienced this. So if you've ever made juice, um, you get a cup of delicious juice, but you also have a full container of pulp. So upcycling would be looking at that pulp in a new light and thinking about it in terms of making a fruit chip or putting it in granola or making a protein bar. And on an industrial scale, this can really make a huge difference because you really are creating something out of nothing, a value add for the company out of something that was either going down the drain or out the door. Mm -hmm. And for some specific examples, I've developed my three U's of upcycling. So we have unseen, unwanted, is and untapped. So for unseen, I think about things like cacao fruit or coffee fruit, where we normally just use the bean. We have companies that are actually using the fruit to develop new products. Unseen can also be things like shells from nuts and rinds. These are all still edible and nutrient rich, but we just haven't really seen them in products or, or on our plate. 
unwanted is really what we think of when they think of upcycled food. So that's ugly produce, right? So things that are either too big or aren't the right color or have Mm -hmm. bumps, lumps, all of those things, but of course are still delicious and can be consumed, but just aren't put on the shelf. Right. And then untapped is is really where the exciting stuff is happening. So a great example is the rise of oat milk, right? We've all been offered oat milk at a coffee shop at this point, but mm-hmm. you don't really think about how oat milk is made. But if you if you know about it, you know that once you make it, you have all this oat pulp left over, right? And and what can we do with that? So we have companies that are taking that oat pulp and turning it into oat flour and using it in baked goods or in mixes, things like that. Um, again, that's the you know pulp from juicing. And of course, it's spent grain, which we're going to hear a lot more about later. But those are my three U's that I that I like to go to and and really just helps people understand the the huge impact that upcycled food can have. Yeah. So that's that's upcycled food. Well, well, I like the untapped in your example of juice and oat oat milk for that matter, because the if you think about what's what's being discarded, it it's a a real rich source of nutrition for us in terms of fiber and other things that that is that gets wasted otherwise. So, exactly. so I really do like your. Uh, your examples, they're very, very good. So, Joy, staying with you for a moment, can, can we also ask you to tell us about the Upcycled Food Association? Who or what is it? And what's the association trying to achieve? Of course. Um, so, um, although, you know, upcycling is a practice that maybe our grandmothers used to make broth or create everything in the kitchen for forever, it is a relatively new concept in the industry. So, the Upcycled Food Association is really a community of people who are aligned in the mission to eliminate food waste by creating exciting and delicious solutions. Um, Our entrepreneurs are all developing their own supply chain, so it's really empowering for them to be able to connect and learn from each other. We're also working on consumer awareness. You know, when you hear upcycled food, it's not necessarily intuitive what it means. So we're trying to figure out how we can meet consumers where they are and help them learn and enjoy snacking with impact. We've also had our upcycled certification now for almost a year. It's a third-party certification that lets consumers visually see a mark on pack and know that when they see that, it means that those brands are actively helping the planet by reducing food waste. So right now we have about 200 ingredients and products that have been upcycled certified, which is really exciting in, in, in less than a year. And then sort of the last leg of of what we do or, you know, currently is we're trying to generate investment in the space. So we've co-founded the Food Waste Funder Circle with Refed, which is a platform to connect impact-driven investors with innovative solutions providers. And of course, as the industry grows, we'll be growing with it. So this is what we're doing now. And and we're excited to to keep going and and working with all the incredible innovators in this space. Mm. Jackie, if we could turn to you, uh, can you give us a brief overview now that we've heard about the Upcycle Food Association? Let's let's see if we can explore who Evergrain is and and how or why that business was formed and what's the overarching purpose of, of Evergrain. Yeah, for sure. So, Bruce, Evergrain is a sustainable ingredient company created by ABM Bev to realise the potential in every grain of barley to create an impact on people and planet. That's a mouthful. So I'll <laughs> <It> sure <unpack>. is. <laughs> <laughs> little bits by bit, starting with the end there. So making a, an impact on people and planet. 
I think many people are aware of the the climate crisis that we are, um, you know, we as a, as a planet are facing and maybe not everybody, but but a lot of people now are aware of also the food systems impact there. So 25% of global greenhouse gas emissions arise from our food system. And a lot of that is attributed to inefficient processes, waste along the supply chain from agriculture all the way through to consumer waste and, and you mm. know, trash in your mm. homes. And the other thing that maybe even less people realize is that the food system solution to the climate problem is one of the most affordable and easy to implement. You know, we talk about net zero by 2050. The food system can realistically get there in the next decade if we do the right thing. And upcycling is a big part of of that solution. So when AB InBev created Evergreen, it was was really an idea that was born out of just the sheer scale um, of the the feedstock that was going for a, as, as Joy was saying, an untapped purpose, going to animal feed, you know, or or waste, uh, you know, in, in some parts of the world, we actually dispose of that spent grain. And it's so highly nutritious that a group of people in our organization back in 2013 thought about other ways that that could go for human and also planetary health. First of all, by avoiding the necessity for animal feed and, and the beef that comes out of that process and recircuiting that protein and fiber straight into people's mouths and giving them that plant-based nutrition that they mm. that they need. Mm. So that was the the first, let's say, idea that came up in 2013. And it was no small feat to think of of how that was gonna happen, you know. We had a team that essentially worked with some of the best scientists across Europe and the US looking at the the core RD approach to what we could use the the protein and fiber for. Uh, Fast forward to 2016, we had a partnership with a protein processing company, which is the the process, which we call our proprietary upcycling process today. And I think that's a key point about the the upcycling industry is that it's food safe, science-based, really, really high quality ingredients that come out of something that prior was just not looked at, you know, would come out the process, would be dumped on a truck and I would move into the fields. Now we have a, you know, upward of a hundred million dollar facility that was built with this proprietary process to create the, the protein, the body protein that we're talking about here today. From a scale perspective, we're talking about 1.4 million metric tons that ABMF has of barley or barley uh, adjacent feedstock and the total industry is running around 9 million metric tons. What that translates to uh, just for ABMBEV is enough protein to feed 2 million people mm, every single mm, day. It's a lot. Yeah. So it's yeah. pretty big. Yeah. It's pretty big in terms of nutritive impact as well as having one of the lowest carbon footprints because we're taking no incremental land use to get these barley ingredients to market. We're mm. using super, super low water because barley, when it's grown in the field, uses minimal water. And of course, you know, in the, in the process, we also make an effort to reduce everywhere that we can and lower emissions um, overall. So really, really compelling sustainability story together with a fantastic nutritional profile of ingredient. Right. So I understand that Evergreen's ingredients are already upcycle certified. So what does the upcycle certified mean to you? And specifically, how does it benefit the brand overall? Totally. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, 
I'll start by saying that Evergreen is a B2B ingredient wow. company. So our, our upcycled certification essentially takes everything that I just spent the last five minutes explaining mm. and lets our customer, you know, our food formulator who works at a big food company or a small startup beverage company, sports nutrition company, lets them know that our ingredient is uh, innovative, food safe, and also genius in terms of sustainability. It's avoiding mm -hmm. that food waste element in a single two words, which is upcycled certified. What that is also easy for them to do is pass that on to the consumer. So right. if they use our ingredient and we're the only upcycled barley ingredient, or rather we're the only barley ingredient that's inputted into their product, they can have a claim on their packaging, which is mm. barley board indicates similarly um, quality, innovation and sustainability to the consumer and command a higher price point, particularly in the US where consumers are starting to become aware of upcycling. And I know the UFA, you know, the Upcycle Food Association has quite a bit of data to illustrate that link with premiumness and the idea that 99% of consumers are really behind the Upcycle certified mark, provided they understand what it is. So I think that spins us back to joy again about the upcycle certified mark and the sorts of companies that that you're working with. Can you can you just mention a few that that most consumers would be familiar with so that we can get our heads around what the upcycle certified mark actually looks like and feels like on a on a product? Sure. Uh, so if you've ever shopped at Kroger, you may have seen Renewal Mill baking mixes. So they use ah. upcycled oat milk flour, like I was mentioning before. They also use Okara, which is a um, byproduct of soy milk and tofu production. So it's soy pulp. And those are, again, nutritious byproducts that are then upcycled into baking mixes that you can create delicious treats at home with yourself and your family. Now, that's great that you've given, been able to give us some examples and that, that brings it to life for us. So that's very good. So, so Rosa, let's dive into some of the more technical aspects of this proprietary upcycle process that, that Jackie was just talking about. With plant-based protein, sacrifice or, or compromise are words we hear quite often whether it's sacrificing taste or sacrificing nutrition with respect to the amino acid profile, is it possible that consumers might be begin associating plant-based with compromise? And, and how's Evergreen changing that? Yeah, so uh, definitely. Most plant protein-based foods either compromise on flavor or nutrition. Over my career of 15-plus years that I have worked with plant proteins, you always see that. Uh, within Evergreen, uh, we've looked into what exactly was it that was being compromised, right? So we look at two key, key functional properties, right? Uh, mainly, uh, most of those proteins fail on delivering solubility, which is a key functionality in proteins, and flavor. So we try to focus on those two, solubility and flavor. Knowing that, uh, We've been working on developing a barley rice protein uh, that met those requirements. And that barley rice protein is named EverPro commercially, right? Um, so in EverPro, it is a barley rice protein, 85% protein content that definitely allows us to have the high solubility that other plant proteins don't have. 
and also allows us to have a better nutrition, a very good amino acid profile when combined with other legume proteins. So definitely using this uh, Protein Ever Pro, you can have a very good tasting product and a very good nutrition at the same time. Right. So this high solubility that you referenced, does that mean that it will take away this um, um, powdery kind of mouthfeel that we often get with uh, protein-based beverages? Correct. Yes. So Ever, the high solubility of Ever Pro will give you a very smooth mouthfeel. Um, even in all these different applications, that mouthfeel will remain the same even if you change the pH of a beverage, which is usually what would affect the mm. mouthfeel, right? Yeah. The lower you get on pH, the more sandy, the more greediness the yeah. protein will become. Well, you don't get that with Everpro at all. Um, and also a very important, uh, another very important functionality is its low viscosity. Right. So Everpro is very low viscosity, very similar to water, which that functionality allows you to add high concentrations of it mm. in a food product. So mm. you can go very high on protein without affecting the viscosity of that product. Right, right. So given we're effectively talking about utilising grains that would otherwise be wasted, how do you go about convincing the intended consumers that your products are A, a perfectly food safe and B, will always be consistently high quality. So just like Jackie mentioned before, right? AB InBev has very high standards and quality controls for the grains and cereals that they use in the beer production. We utilize that, right? We utilize the protein and the fiber left in the barley as our initial ingredient. So we're already starting with a very high quality product, right? So on top of all that, uh, we have established all our food safety plans where HACCP compliance, FISMA, everything is in place in our plant. And we also have implemented uh, high quality standards during our production to ensure consistency mm, and, of course, food right. safety, right? right? But also, as you know, barley has been consumed for centuries, right? And at the end of the day, uh, we use barley and uh, with our process, we try to minimize changing it and keep that food safety standard meet all the requirements. Right. So, so why should we take more of an interest in barley as consumers? What, what's its history and from a formulation standpoint, what benefits does barley bring to formulations that, say, other grains would not? For me, barley brings diversity. Okay, so most of the plant protein products that you see in the marketplace are a blend of proteins. It's very rarely that you will see one that is completely pea or completely fava bean. They usually will blend proteins. And the reason why companies will blend proteins, there's two main reasons. One, functionality, to achieve the functionality they're looking for. Right. And two, cost. They always gonna be blending proteins to keep the cost down and to have that advantage of being able to, mm. to get that functionality. Barley brings more diversity to that blend, right? So if you think about plant proteins out there, soy, pea, fava, they all kind of have the same functionality. Um, they, they either, you either have high gelling or you have medium gelling. Uh, high viscosity, medium viscosity. 
Barley comes in to bring the law of viscosity, the high solubility, which allows food formulators to really recreate food products and completely change that. Right. right. Yeah. Interesting. I can just, if I can just add Bruce to that one. Sure. So I just, I just wanted to add on top of, of what Rosa said, the renewed interest in barley is actually, you know, in, in much of a part due to upcycling. And the reason right. is because barley in the fields has an interesting profile as a, as a grain, you know, as a whole grain, it has a really rich and wonderful uh, profile with beta glucans and other really, really important minerals and nutrients for human health but it's 70% starch, mm. which is why it's really interesting for brewers because they need that starch to extract right. and metabolize into alcohol. Uh, and, you know, you get the, the beautiful beer product. So what's different with upcycle barley is that leftover has zero starch. Mm. Mm, it has about 40% protein, about 40% fiber approximately, and 20% other. So when Rose is talking about this barley protein product or barley protein ingredient, the raw material that is brewer's spent grain is so much more interesting than barley from the field for two All reasons. Right. The one is the high protein content and the other is you don't have this quote unquote waste, which is the starch element of the, of the yes. barley protein. Yes. So I think that's important holistically when we think about um, the importance of, of barley in the food system, it really was only for beer up until this technology came through, the work was done and, and Evergreen actually was able to take it from not existing to, to what it is today and incorporating it into the food system with fantastic solubility, with fantastic taste, which we can only hope will make it a, a great success. Right, of course. So, so Joy, I'm going to switch back to you again. And, and one of the things that comes to my mind is is the challenge of huge success with an upcycle product is the potential of exhausting that supply of the raw material uh, as the supply is, is principally a byproduct of another food product. And at that point, you're, you know, if you run out, you're now creating a byproduct as your principal product. doesn't make sense, right? So is that a concern for you? And if not, why not? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a good question. So, you know, obviously using Evergreen as the main example here, we aren't going to stop drinking beer, right? So that byproduct... I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, for now. Um, so so that byproduct isn't really going away, right? Mm. So I think the, the most successful upcycle products are really, you know, looking at the current, you know, industries, supply chains, whatever it may be, and, and finding those ingredients that are really here to stay. So, you know, going back to the, you know, maybe cacao fruit example, right? We we consume chocolate, we consume the the cocoa bean, right? But that fruit has been underutilized for for so many years now. Right. So, you know, to be able to look at that and see new possibilities is great, but it's also again not not going anywhere. We're going to keep consuming chocolate and um, that cacao fruit is is going to be a viable byproduct, although you know, it's not necessarily a byproduct at that point for, for many years to come. So right. I think the entrepreneurs that are, are going to be and are, you know, the most successful in this space are, are really, you know, looking at everything holistically and finding, finding the niches where they can, you know, have that continual supply. Right. So, so Jackie, the, I think there's a question for you there. You mentioned before the, the very large amount of the spent grain that's available 
uh, from AB InBev uh, that could be put to upcycling? How much of it is currently being upcycled and and therefore what's a, what does our runway look like in terms of the opportunity for more of this to be upcycled in the future? That's a fantastic question, Bruce, and it's very timely because we do have our first large-scale facility coming online for upcycled barley protein, EverPro, as of June of this year. So and this is this wonderful product that uh, that Rosa was just talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you liked what Rosa had to say, don't worry, because we will have thousands of tons coming off the lines in as little as two weeks. Um, to put that in perspective, I talked about the 1.4 million metric tons of feedstock available. What that facility, which will output thousands of tons of plant protein, will absorb is just a mere fraction of, of the total feedstock. It's just from one brewery, and ABM right. has 400 breweries worldwide. Right. So it's just the beginning, um, and it certainly has an opportunity to make a dent in the alternative protein space or the plant protein space um, and really insert itself as a locally sourced, right, 100% grown, 100% made in USA, um, stable source of plant protein, not affected by commodity supply chain issues, et cetera, that many individuals in, in, in the private sector food companies are facing today for right. many, many years to come. And this is really just the beginning. Well, I mean, that does two things, right? It, it really emphasizes very, very dramatically the size of the problem with respect to food waste. <laughs> but it also demonstrates the, the wonderful size of the opportunity that we have with, uh, with these products. So I think that comes back to to uh, Rosa. Uh, I wonder if you might be able to share some real life practical examples with us of where the Evergreen product is seeing success in the marketplace today. Uh, yes, so we have seen success in many different applications, uh, mainly beverages ready to drink and ready to mix, uh, both of them. Uh, due to its great solubility and low viscosity, plus its nutrition, right? Um, some of the commercial brands out there where we have worked with and that have seen success, uh, one of them is Airship with a coffee ready to drink. Ah, right. Yeah. And another one is Garden of Life with a high-protein powder shake. So, okay. Yeah, so definitely. And we, we're working with so many different ones, right? Uh, that of course I cannot disclose, but uh, uh, definitely we've seen uh, very a lot of success in bars and also in uh, ice cream, frozen desserts. Oh, so, interesting. Yes. Ah. So hopefully you'll see them soon in the market. Oh, beer and ice cream, my, some of my two favorite foods. I'm, I'm very impressed. So, so I have to ask, what's beyond the upcycle um, barley product that Evergreen is currently doing. So what's the Evergreen business model look like beyond barley, if you like? Yeah, so the, um, the, the beyond barley tagline is quite interesting because AB InBev actually refers to Evergreen as beyond beer. <laughs> so it's that first step into what are we going to do beyond beer? Now, what are we going to do beyond barley? I think the um, the illustration I just gave you, Bruce, regards the the massive amount of feedstock to process mm, just yeah. for for beer byproducts, which is often a combination of of barley and corn or barley and rice, 
could be sorghum, could be all sorts of different types of ingredients, raw materials that are used uh, for their starch in brewing. And that's really the, um, let's say, the the area of focus for Evergreen going forward. But as we think of Beyond Beer, Beyond Barley, it's, it's a natural question you know, as to what comes next. Um, Our team of scientists and R&D professionals are constantly asking themselves that very question, working with some of the best universities uh, from UC Davis to UC Cork and and Wageningen in Europe to make sure that we do understand the the potential of upcycling, not just Bali, but beyond. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, of course, we have uh, our hands full with commercializing the EverPro ingredient. And that's really fun in and of itself and, and a you know, majority of the focus and the time that the team is spending uh, for the moment. And, and really good challenges and a very long runway for people like Rosa to find the new applications for all that massive quantity of barley that we would like to all upcycle. 100%. Yeah. So as we finish up here today, what advice would you give to those listeners who have been inspired by the information that you've shared? How can they get involved in this exciting world of upcycled foods? So, uh, Joy, how about you start us off with that? Yeah, I mean, I think all of our upcycled entrepreneurs have a story that got them started, right? So a great example is Pulp Pantry. When juicing trend arose, the CEO saw the incredible amount of byproduct that was left over from juicing, right? The pulp. Mm -hmm. So she thought, what can I do with this pulp? So I would encourage anyone who's interested in this space to look around at your favorite foods, at food trends, and see how can I help, you know, make this more efficient? How can I reduce food waste in this space? And of course, the number one thing is how can I make it delicious? Right, right. So, so Rosa, you talked at the start about how you had you know, a purpose in your life around nutrition and minimizing hunger. Do you, do you, what role do you see for yourself and, and other uh, scientists that might be interested in this field? How would they get involved in what you're doing? I will ask every formulator uh, in the world to really just take a seat back and look at where your ingredients are coming from, mm. okay? As a food formulator, I can tell you, you're always running, you're trying to recreate and, and to make taste everything taste amazing and meet all the requirements that usually marketing will give you, right? Right. But then you, you forget to really analyze where those ingredients are coming from. So that would be my ask, is look at where your ingredients are coming from and open your mind to options, to looking into, is there a better option? Is there a more sustainable option, an upcycle option that I can use instead mm. of YC ingredient, right? Um, that would be, uh, I think that's how they can really get involved if we just take a step back. And, oh, I think it's great advice. So, so Jackie, what about you? What advice would you give somebody who was excited about what they've learned today? Yeah, so... I- I can only say that, you know, it's a great privilege to have a BMBev in your back backyard and have this access yes. to millions of metric tons of, of food waste. Um, but I don't think that that should discourage anybody individually from looking around at what they can do personally. You know, so we all have a kitchen, uh, we all have a wardrobe. And uh, something that I used to do back in the pandemic was the... Um, the ends of my vegetables. So let's take a spring onion or, you know... Um, scallion, I think it's called in the USA. 
and you take that root, you put it in water and it will start to sprout and then you can plant it into soil and it'll actually mm. regrow into a new scallion or, or, or spring onion. That for me is upcycling in your kitchen every day. Uh, you know, mm. going to, to shop at furniture stores, fashion stores that, that support materials that would have gone in the bin or, or, you know, woods or beautiful natural fibers that would have gone to, to waste and recreating clothes and, and furniture. Those are ways that people can actually redefine the consumer culture of buy and throw away, buy and throw away and start mm-hmm. to take a, a, a more sustainable and more responsible approach as well as a more delightful approach to not only food, but other areas of their lives. Wow. Uh, so look, Rosa, Jackie and Joy, thank you for your time today and sharing with us your knowledge and, and frankly, inspiring stories about how we can improve our, our food system. Absolute pleasure. Yes, thank, thank you for you having for- us. Yes, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. So very good. So thank you also to our listeners today because without you, there would be no podcast. So we really do appreciate you listening and we encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and and colleagues so that we can continue to build it. If you're enjoying Side Dish, please let us know by leaving a review wherever you source your podcasts or by connecting with IFT. You can find us on Twitter using the handle at IFT and by searching the Institute of Food Technologists on Facebook and or LinkedIn. For more on the subject of recycling and upcycling, be sure to visit our website at ift.org and type in upcycling into the search box to gain access to a ton of resources. Thank you for listening for Side Dish. I'm your host, Bruce Perkin, and have a great day, everyone. Mm-hmm.